You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great, Val. I wish we record the uh, the conversation we have before we podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just a podcast in itself, really, isn't it, Val? Maybe I'll do that sneakily one day and everyone can hear <laughs> what you really talk about. Oh, my God. What you talk about, Val. Me? No. Blame me. Your conversation <laughs> is just as wacky. I'm not wacky. Oh, no, not in the slightest. Not the slightest. How have, have you been? Good, good. What have you been up to? Uh, so um, uh, it's just lots and lots and lots going on. I feel like my head's going to explode. I'm ve- I've just um, been working on this week's newsletter. Yeah, right. Today, and I'm very excited about uh, the brush preset for Lightroom that I'm going to give away this week. Free, Exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you'll even be able to use this one, Val. <laughs> so this is the way you say that. You'll even yeah. be able to use this one. It's, it's, a, it's a brush preset that you can use in Lightroom that's going to make your clouds look really sexy. Okay. Sexy cloud preset. Sexy clouds. But what's really good about it is it works for cat hair as well. Oh. So if you want to bring out the detail yes. in uh, your kitty cat's fur, yes. then you could use this little brush, brush over it, and it's just going to make especially in white cats, it's just going to make it all like uh, stand out and look amazing. That's so exciting. But it's hard for my cats to look even more amazing than they already are. You're such a stage (laughs) mum. I know. I I wish I was a at all. (laughs) Well, I have to say that, you know, two of the top uh, animal talent agents in Australia did contact Rexy when he was little. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. And did he get a representation? No, I think no. I've mentioned this to you because he That's doesn't really like people. Yeah, he's an introvert. <laughs> yeah, well, you they, know. they are. They both are. They're very difficult to connect with. They're a bit up themselves. I sorry, I don't want to. My be cats. Rude. Yeah, a little that bit. That is rude. Well, they. You know, they're hard to connect with. They just. No, that's not a good description. It, well, how would you describe? They're aloof. I connect well with them. Yeah, they're just like you know. It's it's that it's that it's that level of kitty cat that they are. You know that high end kind of <laughs> gari of kitty cats. Yes, they're know? the gari of kitty cats. It wouldn't cats. surprise me if there was royalty in their lineage. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Track. Would not surprise me at yes. all. Yes, yes. Fancy. <laughs> Fancy. They are well, Rex. I mean, Rocky's auntie is the fancy feast cat. Yes. Well, there yes. you go. Fancy. There you go. Yeah, they are fancy. Anyway, we're not uh, meant to be talking about my cats. I'm very uh, excited for this uh, for, for for this preset. Um, I'm going to use it on my cats. Yeah, and clouds, Val. If you ever uh, do okay. any, like when you're out uh, on the kayak. Yes, clouds. Uh, yeah. Are you protecting your camera at all when you're out? Or are they no, that's just my that iPhone, and it's got cool. a rubber thing over it, like a. Rubber minion, like from Despicable Me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so why don't you take your big boy camera out? Oh, my God, I'm too scared. You could get a little um, waterproof housing for it. I'm way too scared. Like, seriously, they could tip over. Like, a shark could knock me over and the camera would go Yeah, but I think the camera would be the least if you want. (laughs) Shark could have knocked you over. Like, imagine the – I'm sure the houses from that vantage point – Yes. Look amazing. I'd love to see some shots from that, mm. like out in the water. You could get some great and like people shots might of boats. Think 
People might think I'm paparazzi trying to look into the these houses or something. Yeah, yeah, because you've got some good names. At least. Mm. Well, let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to take my big camera out there. But look, I, I might work my way up to it, okay? Good. All right. Yes. Let's hope so. Yes. <laughs> so, what? apart from writing your newsletter, in terms of photography, what have you been up to this week? Oh, so there's... Uh, some um, massive shoots that are being organised at the moment, so mm. which are going to happen over the next, like, this week and uh, the week after and the week after. So organising that. There's the trips that we're organising, Val, as well. Yes, very exciting. So uh, lots and lots going on. Exciting. The thing that when you go away with Gina is that, uh, you know, because we're going to a beach resort where there's a beach and lots of sun and lots of water and lots of surf. And what people normally do with such things is they relax by the pool and they read a book or something like that. But I'm pretty certain that every spare minute of our time is going to be spent shooting. <laughs> yeah, and you know what else I'm going and to And I'm going to be the voice-activated like stand. You are, and the other thing that I'm going, uh, that I'm actually looking for, and listeners, um, I invite you to either tweet me or email me your um, recommendations. I want a really good uh, travel tripod. I want a small, like I've looked at some Manfrotto's. If you have um, other options that you've worked with, uh, send them through because um, I'm about to buy one. The one I have is a little bit too heavy and it doesn't actually fit in my luggage. So I want something that will maybe fit in carry-on and that, that I can actually use. I, you know what I want it for as well, Val? What? I want it so that it fits under the seat on my, my motorbike so oh. that I can just like nip out and get shots and have oh. a tripod or put it in my it, – it'll fit in the in a backpack. I've seen them where they just – they're tiny. They're like really small. So yeah, right. if anyone has any suggestions, I'm, I'm all ears, please. Can't you just carry it around like in a yoga bag or something? And can just yeah, I around? thought of that. But like I really – like three kilos in your luggage when you've maybe only got – I know when I'm going to Sicily there's going to be issues getting – like getting to Rome is fine. I've got a certain amount, but the domestic flight, Rome, Sicily, mm. suddenly it's a lot less luggage. And mm. just when I do all those internal flights, I don't want to be using up all my uh, allocated luggage on tripods. So I can, you know, can add an extra three or four kilos. So, so you can tweet Gina at Gina Militia or email Gina news at ginamilitia.com. And that's M I. L-I-C-I-A. Yes. Uh, yeah, that would be really useful if you have That'd a recommendation. That would be very cool. I'd love that. Thank you. Now, we have a shout-out for Brian Turner, don't we? Yes. I'm calling uh, Brian one of my Lightroom All-Stars. Oh, good. Okay. Lightroom <laughs> and, uh, All-Stars. So he sent me a photo. He said he was tinkering around with his photo from last summer that, uh, of his wife and daughter, and he applied... Uh, one of my presets, the chocolate preset. I think it might be the Nutella one. And uh, he, he seems to think he gave it a, a pretty cool look. And I tend to agree. I think it looks amazing. It yeah, really fantastic. made the pop. Very cool. Fantastic. It's just um, – and we'll put the link in the show notes, which you can also find at com. Not the link, the photo in the show notes. It's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool shot. So, yeah, happy with that. I love seeing my presets out in the wild. Mm. And um, if you have not yet signed up to Gina's newsletter, make sure you do because every month Gina gives away a free for free Lightroom presets. Uh, as you heard, Gina's next one is going to be on how to make clouds or cat hair. Sexy. Yeah. Sexy. <laughs> um, sexy cloud, sexy cat hair. And the only place you can get them is if you've signed up to the newsletter. They aren't archived or anything. So, uh, yeah, make sure you sign up so you get the uh, all the future free Lightroom presets. And you can sign up at GinaMilitia.com. But we also have a listener question, don't we, Gina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Peter Foote sent in a, a, a photo and um, he was wondering about uh, if uh, people who do street photography uh, edit their photos to remove distractions. So he's uh, sending a photo of uh, a guy on a Vespa, very cool, and a whole line of other bikes uh, mm. in the shot. Mm. Uh, and then he said there was um, 
a man entering from the right that drew too much attention. So he cloned that person out and he just wants to know what to what level do uh, people, you know, uh, edit their street photos. And uh, my answer to that is all <laughs> like as much or as little as you like. Yeah. So I think when I'm looking at a shot, sure. uh, if there is anything in the shot that detracts mm. from the hero of the photo, mm. I'm going to remove it. So I'm looking at, at uh, Peter's uh, shot here, and it really is. It's a great street photo. You've got like a line of motorbikes, and on the very end there's a, uh, a Frenchman on an Italian bike on a Vespa, <laughs> right? So very, very cool. But my eye immediately, Peter, is drawn to the uh, pole the, growing out of the back of the guy's head. So the first mm. thing I would do in this shot is just try and simplify it as much as possible and remove that distraction. And there's also a pole on the other side of the shot that's also my eye goes there because they're actually lighter. They're the lightest yep. part of the frame. So your eye immediately goes there. I'd actually work on cloning those out as yeah. well. And then you would have this beautiful, clean, beautiful, crisp, classic, then, yeah. amazing mm. shot. It's a great shot now, Peter. It's, mm. it's a brilliant photo. This would take it to another level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it is a great shot. And we'll put yeah. the, the shot in the show notes as well. Now, Melanie Young has also sent us an image of a young boy. He looks, I don't know, really. What do you think? Two, three years He's old? three. Yeah, and um, it's, he's a sweet little boy looking yes. at the, straight down the camera, but he's holding a yellow bar that's kind of just above his head. Monkey and bar, Val. A monkey bar, yes. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> and um, Melanie has said, I'm a complete amateur and would like some feedback. What can I do to make this photo better? I was really focusing on skin tones. There has been a little touching up in the editing pro process. I appreciate the help. So take it away, Gina. Yeah, so um, I'm looking at this image and the first thing that jumps out at me is what a strong and amazing image. Mm. And I love the way Melanie has uh, framed the actual image. So your eyes are really drawn into this little boy's face because the way yes. the bar is positioned and his hands are holding onto the bar, his arms actually uh, – form a frame yes. around his face so your eyes are naturally drawn in and the expression on his face is priceless it's, it's so beautiful it's just such a, a soft little smile yes. and he's really engaged with the camera so it's it's a beautiful photo I really uh the composition I cannot fault mm. in terms of um how much you need to retouch or like when it comes to skin tones on children I really don't do much, if anything at all. But, you know, if there's a little bit of red or the odd blemish, they're kids. I, I, I leave them. So mm. the, the the thing that I like, I would think about Melanie when you went out and maybe uh, did a similar shot is to think about is there a way that you could um, – create more catch lights in the eyes because I think uh, what was directly behind uh, you as the photographer where well, you were probably in a darker area because if you look into the eyes there isn't that little sparkle that bright so this is where something like a reflector comes in really handy or at the very least if you were wearing like really light clothes you would have been reflected in his eyes and that would have created a catch light um, the other thing I might do is maybe just crop the image so the eyes are in the top third of the frame and this visually is going to make the shot uh, a little bit stronger. And aside from that, maybe just increase the contrast a titch. Aside from that, I think it's really a great shot and you don't need – like if you need to start adding, you know, lots of um, – special effects and filters to, to make the shot great, um, you, you're detracting from the shot. The shot should stand alone. It should be great on its own and the other stuff just sort of adds to it and uh, helps it along a little bit. But this 
is a great shot. Yeah, it's a great shot. I love it. Um, right, so let's move on to our topic for this week, which is awesome. And it's called Tic-Tac-Toe, How to Compose an Image for Maximum Impact. And I think this is such a good one, Gina, because I have to say, like back in the day when I first started getting into photography years and years and years and years ago, I, you know, was doing courses and I, um, I, you know, kind of thought I was pretty decent at composition. And what was really weird, and I was decent and also, you know, I became a picture editor and stuff like that. So I had some skills there. But what was really weird, somewhere along the line, I totally lost my composition mojo, like totally, right. totally. Yep. And I was actually, and I'm starting to get it back now, which is great, yep. you know, thanks to your advice. Uh, but I started thinking, I wonder why, like I didn't, couldn't figure out why I would lose my composition mojo because I didn't lose my writing skills, which is, yep. you know, my where I have professional skills. And I actually narrowed it down to, it was during, it was when I got a point and shoot. Right. And I got a little point and shoot purely for convenience reasons, you know, when you go out, out before phones had all yeah. cameras and stuff like that. And so I just wanted this compact point and shoot. And literally I just got into this habit of whipping it out and just literally pointing and shooting and not even thinking mm. about the shot or anything like that. But I did it for so long that, I just became really crap at it. You've got some bad habits, Val. I got, yeah, into really, really, really bad habits. And I used to, you know, after a while, I used to look at my shots and just go, I used to take a lot better photos than this. Yeah. And it's only been, you know, more recently in the last couple of years that I've decided that, well, that I, I've, it's starting to come back because of all the stuff that I talk about with you and all of that. So I think this is a really good one because it can, it's something that can be so easily um, neglected because we are so busy looking at the technical side of things. Yes. And as a magazine editor who commissions photographers, I know that um, not that long ago I commissioned a particular photographer here in Sydney to shoot, you know, this thing that I needed shooting and um, it was a bunch of people and the photos came back and I have to say they were technically great like the lighting spot yeah. on you know it was totally sharp it was yeah. it was great and I had put so much effort into finding locations into styling it into you know the the production producing the whole thing but yet when the images came back I was like oh they, they it's, it was the composition that was just yep. not right even though yep. everything else was right with the shoot so I'm keen to find out what you have to say about, you know, yeah, how to compose an image for maximum impact or where, where do we start on this? So, like, this is something that, like, if you ask uh, a great photographer who's maybe been working, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years and, and like, how they think about composition, they'll answer they don't. It's like asking... Uh, a musician, you know, are you thinking about the notes or are you just playing them, you mm. know, because as soon as you start to overthink this stuff, it's not coming naturally. So a lot of great photographers are just where they position the camera. They just know intuitively that, mm. you know, if you angle it slightly this way and you position your person in this part of the frame, the shot overall is going to have more impact than if you had the person in another part of the frame. But having said that, there are these um, these composition guidelines. I'm not going to call them rules because um, I'm a rebel by nature and as soon as someone tells me it's a rule, my I revert to a 15-year-old. Oh, my God, Gina, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oh true. God. So these are guidelines, but, you know, the thing about these guidelines is they work and they've worked for thousands and thousands of years and if that's not enough for you if you look around these uh, guidelines are actually used by uh, one of the best artists in the world which would be mother nature okay when she creates stuff these composition guidelines are actually repeated in nature. You see them everywhere. And once uh, I've uh, completed this podcast and you go out, you will start to notice 
uh, these little formulas. They're based on math. Not my strong point, Val, but I'm going to give it a really good crack today, okay? So okay. bear with me, everyone. Move so forward. you can, like a great photo is going to be a combination of great content and good composition. You can't have uh, one without the other to have a strong photo. So like you said, the image can be sharp. It can be uh, the right exposure. Everything can be right about it. But if the composition is out, it's just not going to have that impact. It's going to feel flat, mm. you know. So like the difference between photos and art is that artists – uh, can actually think about placement of images when they're painting. Say we're talking about a painter, they can actually pre-plan where they're going to put everything in a photo and be d do it in a really calculated way. Mm. The photographer doesn't get, you know, uh, that luxury because sometimes like particularly if you're a street photographer it's going to happen in front of you and you're like you've got seconds to react and decide but the good news is if you're constantly thinking about this when you're starting and you know about the certain composition rules they're going to just come as second nature and you're just going to automatically know that like you, you'll set up the shot and then you'll like you'll adjust yourself like when you're riding a bike at first you can't stay upright easily mm. but after you get the hang of it it becomes second nature and you know how to shift your weight in a way that you can balance does that make sense yeah makes sense yeah so um there, there's this guy that i've talked about before hans who programs <laughs> all the cameras okay yes. so hans uh is a guy he works in all the camera factories uh across the world, no matter what brand it is, it's always Hans that does it, okay? Yes. He's got many brothers. It could be, what's the female version of Hans? Mm, Gretchen. <laughs> Gretchen, I don't know. <laughs> so Gretchen, Hans, they have managed today to create awesome cameras that do everything, yes. okay? But guess what? Hans – has not worked out a way for a camera to compose a shot yet. Mm, 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 mm. Okay? This is down to the photographer. So you can go out and spend $10,000, $20,000 on a camera and it will do everything. But if, you don't, if you're not sure how to compose it, your images are just going to lack impact. They're not going to be like – as great as someone who comes along with an iPhone or a yep. or a you know a smartphone and takes a shot and knows how to compose it, it's going to have far more visual impact. Okay, so mm -hmm. these all these rules mostly have been um, inherited from the art world. They're sort of like hangovers because like art was invented first, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Photography came along and, and like there, there was this uh, really uh, well-known guy called Leonardo, not, <laughs> not the Titanic guy and not the Ninja Turtle. Not Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle. Not the Ninja Turtle. It's Da Vinci and he was like the original Renaissance man, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, these guys started to know. Next thing you're going to tell me that Michelangelo was not the Ninja Turtle either. No, no, there's another, there was a Michelangelo before the Ninja Turtle. Yeah. Okay. Right? Another Renaissance man. <laughs> but Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci started to notice these mathematical formulas of beauty and symmetry mm. and he would apply them to his paintings and his work of works of art and they actually work. So, um, it, so when photography got invented like, you know, several hundred years later, it made sense to apply these rules to photography. And mm. like you can ignore these, the, I'll call them guidelines. You can ignore these guidelines. <laughs> you don't need to follow them. But you know what? They actually work and they do make a difference. If you called it a rule, would you expect other people to follow it? I'm not, I'm not saying that anyone <laughs> needs to follow these rules rules or yes. guidelines I'm yes. just uh, I'm just now going to put forward I, th I think a pretty strong argument to why you should <laughs> okay <laughs> all right go on so I want to start with the uh the first and uh most widely uh used 
rule or guideline, yes. and uh, it's got another name, but I refer to it as the tic-tac-toe rule. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> did you play tic-tac-toe when you were a kid? Yeah, noughts and crosses. That's Not what we call crosses. it in Australia, but our American listeners will probably know it as tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe. So describe when you're playing tic-tac-toe what, how you create that on a piece of paper. What's well, the... you draw two lines vertically and then two lines horizontally so that you have nine squares. Nine squares, and they're all equal, Val. Yes. Okay. So if we had an image and we applied the tic-tac-toe board to the image, mm -hmm. um, there are the points where the lines intersect. Yes. I call these hot spots. Okay. okay. Yep. The hot spots um, is if you try and uh, when you're composing an image, have uh, the main, the hero of your shot. Mm -hmm. In these uh, intersections, you're going to get a more dynamic-looking photo. You mean in the hot spot? In the hot spot. Okay. 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 Great. Um, yeah. And and the reason for this is uh, you want like a photo is static. It's it's flat. It doesn't speak to us. And you you want to give that image movement, and you want a way to actually invite the viewer of the image in and through the photo. So if you position your hero parts of the um, image on these lines, you're going to get a more dynamic shot. You're going to get more movement flowing through the shots. Um, so uh, I've put, a, like, if you're doing a landscape shot and you take a photo and you have your uh, horizon line smack dab in the middle of the photo, which is what most people do when they take a shot. Most yes. people do that. Mm. The image is flat. The, the eye mm. is seeing equal sky and equal um, water or, mm. or landscape. Mm. And there's nothing, to, nothing makes the image flow. You're not flowing into the image. But if you tweak that slightly and say, like, the part of the image that is the most interesting, give that more weight. So if you've gone out and taken a really sexy cloud shot, like today the clouds at the moment in Australia, mm -hmm. very sexy clouds, especially okay. in Melbourne. Very, very sexy. I Every wonder day, why I that is. Have they been like watching some I think movies or... I think, I, I think it's I think taking it's, something to help them. I think it just has to do with the weather, the angle of the sun. Really? There's probably a reason, but it's like they're, 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 they're those beautiful, wispy, light clouds. It's not like heavy clouds that – like you've got the beautiful blue sky, but you've got wispy, gorgeous clouds. So if you've got a landscape and the clouds are beautiful and sexy, then you might want to give two-thirds of the frame to the clouds and the mm -hmm. sky, mm -hmm. and one third to to the landscape yes. or the water, and then that's it. It just gives uh, the image uh, a lot more impact that way. Mm. If, for an example, you're you're going to the beach and you've got like beautiful, gorgeous rocks and the water's flowing over the rocks and they're really interesting, then you might and and a not so sexy sky, mm -hmm. you might want to give the water two-thirds of the frame and one-third yes. goes to the sky. And yes. so you've got a more dynamic image. Or would you but, have one-third sky, one-third water, one-third sand? Uh, no. Well, no. you could. You could. Okay. <laughs> divide it up like that as well if you've okay. got like that real interest. Mm -hmm. Then if you've got a person walking along the beach, mm -hmm. if you just put them smack dab in the middle of the frame mm. – it just like you're looking at that shot and you just kind of halted because there's no movement in the shot. But mm. if you position them either to the left or to the right on one of these hot spots, suddenly there's uh, more flow and movement to your shot. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So tic-tac-toe, otherwise known as the rule of thirds. The rule of thirds. And so, we'll, yeah. put, we'll put a great image that Gina has created. Uh, she's got a go of uh, a person. Um, in fact, it's an actor called Jared and sitting in a car and she has drawn the grid lines of the tic-tac-toe, you know, board thing, uh, over there and shown where the hotspots are. And it's well worth having a look 
at because you will see that his face is exactly where one of the hotspots is and it's a good explanation on how not only how the rule of thirds works but also um, how the hotspots work yep. and um so head on over to ginamilitia.com. Another reason you should head on over there is it's a brand new website. <laughs> I'm very proud of this because I helped make this website. So <laughs> I'd just like to give it a little plug myself because it's taken some blood, sweat and tears oh my to, God. to create Gina's new website, but I hope you like it and we would really love your feedback. Let us know on social media or or email us, or um, or in the Facebook, or on Facebook in the Facebook group. Just let us know what you think of it, because we wanted to make it more user friendly, and we wanted to uh, to make it easier to find stuff, and we also wanted it to um, be an easy place where you could find out about the courses and community that uh, the new community and the new courses that are happening there. So head on over, tell us what you think. Um, do sign up to find out, to be the first to find out about um, the new community that's launching there. Don't worry, we are not abandoning the Facebook group community at all. We love you guys and we would never do that. Um, but but have a look and see whether it's um, of interest to you because we are opening it up soon, not yet, but we are opening up soon to founding members and founding members will get all sorts of incredible love. So <laughs> check it out at ginamilitia.com. Um, but also, yeah, check out but also check out in the show notes um, the, the, the graphical representation that I've just spoken about and also um, Gina's put an interesting um, image there about eye-tracking studies to see where the majority of people will first glance at an image. So, yeah. yeah, interesting, isn't it? Very so, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's something to think about as well because when you – when people look at your photo, you want them to to really look and move around and and follow the line and and look at the things that you want them to see. You will always want to create flow and movement in your shots and try and avoid avoid creating a shot that just like stops. Yeah, there's yep. no movement. It's now, static. I have a question. Is it okay? I'm assuming it's okay. You tell me to break the rule guidelines. Of from the guidelines of thirds, the tic-tac-toe from time to time. What if we just want tic-tac? So it's all about creating flow and movement, right? So, mm. Val, if you're shooting something with a very shallow depth of field, then there's no reason why you can't have that, That let's say I'm, I'm assuming it's a, a portrait, that smack dab in the middle of the frame because you've already created flow and movement by the shallow depth of field like you're inviting the the, the person into the frame just by the use of of depth of field yes you get what i mean yes. also if you're photographing something that's symmetrical okay maybe like a beautiful face or a building say like the taj mahal which is beautiful and symmetrical that is not going to work as a rule of thirds if you were photographing that because that was right. designed around the symmetry. Yeah. You know, it's got that beautiful uh, long swimming pool that leads uh, in front of the Taj and, and the, the, the building is actually perfectly reflected into the water. It's all about symmetry. So photographing that over to one side is just going to be wrong. It doesn't work. Yes. It's visually jarring. So symmetrical well, stuff, yes, keep it in the centre of the frame. Ignore the rule of thirds guideline. I have to say all of my photos of the Taj Mahal are visually jarring. Because are they? Why? <laughs> what did well, you do? Because, you know, I was so excited. I was going to photograph it at sunrise. You know, I was going to get up and, you know, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Uh, and I took the trip out there from Delhi, which is like a, I don't know, five-hour bus ride or six-hour bus ride or something like that, and managed to throw up 18 times along the way. Yeah, nice. So, night the night before, Val? No, I didn't. I, I didn't. It was just, it was terrible. Oh. I pitied the poor guy who sat next to me. Thank God he had noise-cancelling oh. <laughs> earphones on. He was a photographer and I just prayed that he those noise-cancelling headphones worked. Um, so, yeah, when I got to the Taj Mahal, yeah, you know what? The last thing... <laughs> 
on my mind. The last thing I could do was concentrate because I just felt like death. <laughs> so you weren't captivated by the beauty and how romantic the gesture was or anything like that. You just wanted to. All I could think about was, oh, my God, i got to endure that on the way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had the same experience. I've had the same experience every time I go out to the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, oh! Do you take um, seasick tablets? I uh, so the first time I went out, mm. I was pregnant with my Ooh. daughter, and Ooh. so we got on the boat, and the 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 captain's like it was a small boat. There was maybe eight of us on board. Ooh. Says uh, I'm really sorry. It's going to be very very choppy, but everyone take these seasick pills. You will be fine. Mm. And I'm like, um, I'm pregnant. They're like, well, you can't take the pill. <gasps> really? You're going to just have to endure it. So it was oh, from no. Cairns out to the reef. I think oh, it's a two-hour no. boat ride. Yeah. Choppy, choppy, choppy. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It was like the worst. So it was, this was the best example of heaven and hell because <laughs> it was hell, hell. And then I just wanted to get off the boat into the water and then suddenly it's like, oh, my God. If you haven't been to the reef and you get the opportunity, oh, my God, it is the most beautiful, beautiful. sight I've ever seen. Uh, uh, words I cannot describe how amazing it was. Mm. So I'd gone from it's hell. Just like, it's just like Discovery Channel. It's just uh, it's amazing. amazing. Mm. To heaven. And then there I am in the reef, billions of fish, colour, mm. amazing. And mm. then I had to get back on the boat again mm. and do the trip back. It was awful yeah. and great. Amazing Lovely. and awful and amazing. And so awful. maybe we should stop talking about chucking and let's move on you, to your yeah. next lot of guidelines slash rules. Apart so, from after tic-tac-toe, yeah. what is? What, what, what so this is another really uh, famous and well-known mathematical formula that I have called the bunny rule. <laughs> the bunny and rule. The bunny rule and mm -hmm. it's also known as the – Fibonacci sequence or the okay. golden mean, which is like probably the most uh, a better way to describe it. But I kind of like the bunny rule. So, so um, <laughs> why is it the bunny rule? Well, there was this guy, right? And mm -hmm. guess what? His name was also Leonardo. <laughs> but it's not. It's not the Titanic. It's not the Renaissance guy, nor the Ninja Turtle. This is earlier. <laughs> this is like in the twelve hundreds. Okay, Leonardo Fibonacci. So, okay. I think um, the moral here is if you want your kid to do well in life, <laughs> you know. Or win like an Oscar. You, or, yeah, to do really well in life, call him Leonardo. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he should do pretty well. So Leonardo Fibonacci was thinking one day and <laughs> he stumbled on this math mathematical formula. So he's thinking. He wanted to know what would happen if two rabbits um, got together and um, did, <laughs> did what, what comes naturally to yes. rabbits, yes. right? Cue saxophone music. Yes. Um, I would just like to point out to listeners that in the show notes, uh, Gina didn't write do what rabbits do. She but I didn't, it's not, I, I, didn't write a, I didn't write a dirty word. <laughs> no. That's an Australian word for yeah, yeah. We we we're, we're going to change it when we publish the show notes, just in case. Are we? Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. go on. So, so, so he wanted to know what would happen after a year. How many bunnies would be born right. from these two bunnies who had one bunny? Yes. And, and and he worked out this formula. So he worked out that after one month there'd be two pairs. Yes. After two months there would be three pairs. After three months. There'd be five pairs of bunnies. After okay. four months, eight pairs. Right. After five months, 13 pairs. And after six months, 21 pairs. Okay. And based on this formula, you could apply that and calculate how many pairs of bunnies there would be after 12 months. So if you look at the sequence, Val, mm -hmm. one, one, two, three. This is like in an IQ test, isn't it? <laughs> five, eight, 13. 21, mm -hmm. what's the next number? Um, uh, 45. Uh, it's actually uh, 34, Val. Okay. So you're basically <laughs> just taking the two numbers before, adding them together, and that's how you get the next number. Okay. That's called the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. Okay. So he basically did that, noticed it, 
wrote a book about it and forgot about it. That was it. Mm -hmm. That's all he did. But years later, um, it was picked up by uh, – and it was noticed that um, it, this, this formula is also repeated in clouds, the way branches grow. And Tom Hanks movies. In Tom Hanks movies, The Da Vinci Code. Yes. Is that right? I believe and so. some of the most beautiful and iconic architecture in the world applies okay. these theories. So mm -hmm. everything beautiful in nature, mm -hmm. right, visually beautiful in nature, follows a 1 to 1.618 ratio. So it even goes as far as like if you uh, – there was a guy who did a study on beauty. Visual beauty. Right? Oh, one. Sorry, let's just be clear to people. One. One. Is two. One point six one eight. Yes, the ratio is one, and then the other number is one point six one eight. Yes. Yeah. So one, um, and then one point six one eight. Yeah. So there was a, a university uh, a study of attractiveness, and uh, a, a guy took the formula and uh, measured people's. Uh, models and anyone that was considered beautiful across all different races, right? Mm -hmm. And he he would measure, like, the distance between the mouth to the nose and, uh, you know, where the eyes were, the, the torso, like the waist to the top of the head and the waist down to the feet. And, like, in all visually, people that were considered visually attractive, mm -hmm. they followed this formula. Okay, great. Right? So, yeah. you know, it's it's fascinating. So you can apply that in your photos and retouchers use this formula and they'll tweak the faces when they're retouching. So they'll make the face, the, the mouth a little bit uh, wider, the nose a little bit narrower to follow this formula. Yeah, okay. Sure. Landscape photographers believe that using, applying this formula can make a landscape photos even more visually appealing than using the rule of thirds. Mm -hmm. And in a portrait, you can actually use it by, um, if you apply this formula, and there's actually uh, like a, a, a graph that you can use, that you can, uh, a template that you can apply over your images. And I think I've a included a, a, a download there's a I found a, a site where you can get a free uh creative commons uh license down uh download right. the, the fibonacci uh sequence without the rabbits and you <laughs> can apply that on the image and if you uh like uh, apply that over your image and you get the most important part of your image where the smallest square is mm -hmm. you have a look at it, you're going to get quite a visually appealing image so, so it's think another thing to think about We've included an example of uh, one of Gina's shots and overlaid on that is this, is this graphic so you can have a look at the Fibonacci um, template in action. Yes. So, okay. yeah, very, very cool. Maths, yeah. Val, who, who'd have thought? Yeah, who would have so, thought? <laughs> That's good. So, so the next one is the, uh, the rule of odd numbers. So... Um, Oh, yes, you like odd numbers, don't you, Gina? Uh, well, I do. And, and uh, there's actually, I find out, a, a um, composition guideline mm -hmm. when it comes to, to photographing things. And um, often a photo is more visually pleasing if you group items in odd numbers rather than even. And it's all about balance and flow. So... Um, when I'm photographing groups or items of odd numbers, I, I will place them in, in, you know, like if I've got, say, uh, eight people in a group, I'll, group, I'll stagger the group and I'll have a group of three and a group of five yes. rather than having eight clumped together. Mm. And if I've got a choice of, like, how many people I can have in a group, I'll always work in threes, fives, sevens, nines. It just works what happens, Gina, if you are asked to shoot a cast of a movie or a television show and there are eight people? So, like I said, I will group three and mm -hmm. then I'll have a space and then mm -hmm. I'll have five people, but they'll also be – they'll right. always be okay. – so, so you'll what separate if there's four? the two That's, groups. That, that, was a better, that wasn't a good example. What if there's four? Three and one. Oh, okay. Separate. Yeah, break it up yep. if you can. Mm-hmm. Break it up and it's going to be visually pleasing because you're going to have that flow through the image. 
mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is what you're going for. So yeah. um, I've put a shot in the show notes of uh, a, a, a large group shot of the cast of Rush. Yeah, so this is a great uh, group shot and it's of the cast of an Australian television show called Rush, which is a cop show, which uh, some North American viewers may um, know a show called Flashpoint, which was uh, filmed in Canada and it was about a SWAT team and this is pretty much the same kind of idea, but uh, this is a great shot of the cast and that's what Gina's done exactly. It's like you've grouped you've grouped them in, in, yeah. in odd numbers. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. The next guideline, Val, (laughs) is to create balance in your images. So, um, What do you mean by balance? An image that's balanced might have something in the foreground that's the hero Mm. uh, balanced out by something in the background. So, like, if you have, uh, say, I'm just, uh, just for ease of explanation, uh, a horizontal frame and uh, say you've got, like, your hero, you've applied your rule of thirds and you've got something um, in the uh, first third of the frame like, yes. you know, the, either the far right or far left of, yep. of the shot, if you just left the rest of the image kind of empty, say you had, like, I've got a scene here in the show notes of uh, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yes. And if I just had that shot uh, to the right, to the left of the frame mm-hmm. is I've got the bridge, okay, mm-hmm. and it dominates almost half the the frame from yep. the middle to the to the far left of the frame. If I had nothing in the other side of the frame, it was empty. The mm. the image would feel out of balance. It would be a little too heavy on one side. Yes. So you want to try and balance out your images by including something on the other side to mm. to to balance the shot out. So uh, I've got a um a, a, what are they called those big boats. <laughs> Ferries. A ferry, that's it. <laughs> I hate boats with a passion. You Why? Know? Never, never, I don't like going on them. Why? I, just, I get seasick. So uh, big, I big ones, I don't mind. Though. Really, really big ones I love. But if someone says, oh, my God, do you want to come sailing? Mm-hmm. That is my idea of hell. Really? Hell. I don't think you get seasick on Sydney Harbour ferries. They're like commuter boats. They're all right. Now, I've been on those. They're fine. But the smaller mm-hmm. ones, no. So, <laughs> basically, that's uh, the idea of balance. You're always looking for a way to balance out your shots. Oh, that's interesting because even though, I mean, balance is such a simple concept, but my tendency, if I was shooting that, your same scene of, this, of the Harbour Bridge, is to have the Harbour Bridge where you've got it. But my tendency would have actually been to have left it blank on the right or not have the ferry in for that clean look but I can see how it is actually a lot better can you see what would happen if you removed if like we could clone that ferry out and it would have felt like it was just something missing on one side it like Mm, was unbalanced mm. and like you don't know why like what's missing but then Mm. when you when you talk about it you think oh yeah it's unbalanced that's why it's visually a bit jarring maybe my question with that if the fairy wasn't there what would you have done because it's just lucky the fairy was there right so it's about that decisive moment so what i'm Mm -hmm. saying is like you know a lot of this for me is -hmm. like i'm not thinking about balance and composition it's just like it's it just is. It's like, again, I, I go back to the analogy of riding the bike. I know how to uh, balance my weight so that I don't fall off because mm-hmm. I've done it for long enough. And and so when it comes to photographing an image, I just like – I look through and I will scan the horizon and look and, and when it feels right, that's when I take the photo. So do you actually, without looking through your viewfinder, walk around and think, oh, that's a good shot, or do you look through the viewfinder and then scan it and go, that's the right balanced shot? Uh, I see it in my – I see it with my eyes. First. Yes. I'll, I'll, yes. And, and uh, then it's, uh, it, it's often magnified when I look through the viewfinder. So that's why I don't yeah. get people who are constantly – looking at their LCD screen when they're looking at things. I, I think it's easy. I think you get rid of all the distractions when you look through the viewfinder. So, yeah. like, I'll spot the image, go, oh, my God, like, I'll see something in there that, that it's it's usually the light hmm. Um, hmm. or the actual uh, image itself that gets my attention 
and it's when I look through the viewfinder that's when I'm starting to tweak the composition and yep. just making minor changes to, 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 to balance it out or, you know, create that rule of thirds or Fibonacci it. <laughs> Fibonacci. Bunny rule it. Bunny rule it. Leonardo it. Bunnies doing what they do rule give it, it. Give it the full Leonardo. <laughs> okay. What else? So the next uh, guideline, Val, is mm-hmm. to always try and give uh, your image breathing space. Now, this probably – we talked about this a lot when we talked about in the cropping show. Yes. Um, a load of crop, I think I called it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Is like if you crop – like, again, we'll go back to, say, a portrait of someone. So mm-hmm. you're framing it up and you crop in – if you've got background and you crop in too tightly, it's going to feel like they're kind of um, squashed in to the frame. They don't have enough breathing space. So you want to try and always think about like letting your, um, your portrait have some room to move and space around them. I think it's really important to, to, mm. to allow that. So try not to uh, crop in. If you want to have... A shot with great visual impact, you can crop in all the way mm. or like leave some space. But again, we talked about this a lot in the cropping show, not that in between where it's like, you know, just giving them a little bit of space. You yeah. either go all the way, fully crop or leave breathing space. Yes, yes, sure. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next guideline, Val, is create. You can create movement in in an image um, by uh, a, in a portrait shot by mm-hmm. the uh, using the angle or the way that your model is looking. So, mm-hmm. if you've got a model and they're looking out to into the right hand side of the frame, mm-hmm. you want to try and have more space in the direction that they're looking because this oh, yes. naturally makes your eyes flow. Through yes. the photo, yes, and yes. and and interestingly enough, this is the single best way to get attention in an ad. Advertisers use this technique all the time. So if you've got a face, mm-hmm. when someone looks at a at, at an ad, the first place they'll look. They've done a lot of um, uh, eye tracking studies yes. of people looking at ads. They'll look at the face first. And then they'll look in the direction of where the face is looking. So Mm. if you're putting out uh, a business card or creating an ad for yourself as a photographer and you use an image where you've got um, someone who's looking into the frame, have your text or the text that you want people to notice in the same eye line as the person that you've photographed. So the eyes will naturally go to that next spot. Yep, yep, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a very good uh, guideline. Uh, the next one, Val, is the angle of view. So, um, oh, yes. And uh, the, the, the way you shoot is going to have, uh, rather than shooting something dead square on, flat, again, flat. It feels flat. It's got mm. no impact. But if mm. you go above, all the way above, and shoot from a bird's eye view, suddenly you've got this really dynamic shot. Or you you go all the way down on the ground and shoot worm's eye view as I've well. I've really got to do more of that, worm's yeah, eye view. Yeah, it's yeah. Like out of your comfort zone because mm. it's like it's easy to just walk around and shoot at eye level, shoot everything yes. at eye level. But your shots will tend to look a bit flat. So, you yes. know, getting all the way down on the ground or up on ladders or high vantage points and mm. shooting down is going to make your images look uh, far more dynamic. And then sort of think about this when um, – you're photographing your portraits, you know, if you're shooting a child and you shoot them from above, they're going to look um, really demure or it diminishes mm. them in some way, you know. But if you want the, like, you shoot the child at eye level, like you get down to their level or even lower and then suddenly you've got a powerful portrait and this works of anyone. If you want someone to look powerful, shoot them from a slightly lower angle so that they're, mm. they're, they're bigger than you in the frame. Kind of and thing. can you just share your tip? I think that you did a great tip. This was ages ago, though, so I think that a lot of people may not have heard of it. Is Because I was just thinking the other day about shooting at worm's eye level and 
how very little I do it. And one of the reasons is it hurts your knees. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. It hurts your knees because I wear dresses a lot and yeah. it hurts your knees. And then it's a little bit hard to get up, but I'm getting over that. I'm doing more squats and stuff. But, yeah, but the, your tip of what you put your knees on, can you yeah, tell so, that to people, um, please? I went out and bought myself a pair of uh, gardening, what are they called, uh, kneeling pads mm. that you buy from, I bought them from a hardware shop, $10. They're flat. They fit in the top of my camera bag and uh, I pull them out and that's what I kneel on when I'm shooting because it is really so hard on your knees, especially if you're shooting all day mm. and sometimes the ground's wet or, you know, you end up mm. wrecking all your clothes mm. and suddenly this makes it really comfortable and and like because otherwise I might be squatting or that's mm. really bad for your back. Mm. So you can kneel. It, it just makes it really comfortable. Yeah. Or keep a blanket um uh, in the car or at the top of your kit so you can put that on the ground you can actually lie on that if you want to get even lower because sometimes mm. like lying on the ground uh, is a great way to shoot as well because you're right there and it's like that's really worm's eye view from yep. there great kneeling pads oh. great all right kneeling what else pads, 10 bucks um all right so making the uh hero of your shot really stand out by eliminating background clutter and this can be done in two ways you can find really clean open backgrounds like blue sky or yep. you know just a textured wall or something and then you put your hero in front of that so there's nothing ever to detract from your image and then you can apply this guideline with uh the uh the movement guideline where you can have uh the 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 person looking into the frame okay and you've got that negative space there you give them breathing space you use the rule of thirds you can fibonacci it so you can stack all these rules together and suddenly if you start to think about these ways of composing the shots you're going to get a really dynamic image mm. the other way you can get rid of um background guff or mm. clutter mm. is to use a very shallow depth of field yes throws everything out of focus so this is my preferred method yep. i get rid of all the guff the longer the lens the closer you are to the subject the more uh, background blur you're going to create and and suddenly there is nothing to detract from the background works really well if you're shooting you know say you're doing a portrait of someone and their house might be like just have a lot of clutter as mm -hmm. most houses do and mm -hmm. it's like you know, you've got things growing out of people's heads and it's like you're looking at the shot and it's a visual mess. There's too much going on and the eye is looking everywhere. You want to simplify it and just make that one thing that you choose be the hero of the shot. Yeah, fantastic. Shall right. I dip the field? Yeah. Definitely. Okay, the next guideline, Val, this is probably my favourite. This is how I shoot most of my shots. I yes. use leading lines. I love leading lines. I'm well, looking can, for them everywhere. So, Can you define, please, leading lines for people? So uh, leading lines will have elements that lead the viewer's eyes through the photo. So mm -hmm. it might be uh, a railway line that goes mm -hmm. through the shot. So you're shooting a long, you know, smack dab in the middle of the line. Hopefully there's no train coming, you know, be careful of that. But Or mm -hmm. a road or a path or the curve of a river can lead meander through the shot uh the edges of a building a laneway um a fence. The, the, a fence where the water uh meets the sand on a beach like that curve that it that it forms mm -hmm. can be the leading lines that lead you through uh a shot so so there's all these techniques that the you columns can of a building columns of a building they're all great examples of leading lines and yeah i i'm looking for them everywhere i i think um visually they they add so much impact to an to an image and mm -hmm. uh it's it's one of my preferred um methods but, but what about them what you know what about leading lines is should people be looking for just to have them 
So you're looking for elements that are going to lead the viewer's eyes through the shot. So they create movement in the shot. So uh, my preferred uh, use of leading lines is I, I position them smack dab in the middle of my frame mm -hmm. and they basically will lead the viewer. They give a sense of movement and they lead the viewer through the image. They okay. create movement in the image because that's what you want. You want it like from the first uh guideline that we talked about today it's all about creating movement in an image so it can be like more geometric like a straight road a laneway or if you like a softer look to your images it might be uh, a gentle curve of landscape a, a fence line or, or or a curving road and you use it in a way that that um, creates movement in your shot and leads the viewer through the image and we'll put an example in the show notes of a great shot that um, really illustrates that. And it's basically taken in Italy at a beach where there's a young girl in the middle of the shot, but going through the shot in the middle is a white pathway on what is otherwise sand on both sides. But also on both sides is a whole heap of rows and rows of um, sun lounges and, and striped umbrellas. But it's the white pathway down the middle that is the leading line that, that leads people through the image as Gina has said. And okay. so yeah, your, your eyes naturally go to the spot where all the lines are pointing Val. Yeah. Naturally go there. So, yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. So next, uh, depth or layering Val. So mm -hmm. um, you can create uh, a lot more interest in your image by uh, layering your shots. So maybe if you're doing um, shots of uh, portraits of people, you could have something in the foreground, mm. right? You could have your person in, in the middle ground that's sharp and then it goes off and you've got a background. So it's like you're inviting the viewer into the frame yeah. and there's lots of interest to, uh, to bring them in, to, to, to encourage them through. And it's kind of like it's a gentler version of leading lines. You're kind of like sort of nudging them through the shot by mm. creating uh, depth an interest in the image. So, yeah. like, I think a great image should also, you know, um, if you have something of interest in the foreground, something in the middle ground and something in the background, you're going to create that movement and flow and interest and depth in the image. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So, um, the next one, framing Val, using uh, elements of nature or elements of architecture to frame the image, also uh, give it a sense of depth and, uh, again, movement and uh, three-dimensionality to, to invite the viewer into it. So, like, uh, maybe if I'm shooting a landscape, I might use, uh, you know, you see this a lot, the edges of a tree uh, yeah. To, yeah. to frame the edge of the image and then and you've got the uh, the middle ground, and then the, the 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 item of interest. Your your framing could be your item of interest. That could be sharp, and you let your background go out of focus, or the other way around. Or, or doorways. Doorways, archways. Frame. I love doing door. I love shooting through. Another doorways. thing you do is um, you do quite a bit of is when you shoot through cars. The car door, open yes. car door, or, or window yeah. is the frame. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, and that, 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 that holds, it's a way of holding the image together. It gives it sort of like that, that three-dimensionality again. It can also be a bit more voyeuristic, like you've happened to walk past, but it's, it's like a great way to um, add more interest and, uh, and depth to the image. Yep. Fantastic. So yeah, I love it. So that brings us to what should hashtag Gina Challenge be this week? Have uh, a think uh, about that because yep. uh, if you're new to us, we have a weekly challenge called hashtag Gina Challenge and then we also hashtag a topic. So that, that it might be hashtag black and white or hashtag portraits or hashtag lifestyle or whatever. And what we do is we take photos, we can interpret that topic however we like and we take photos and we share them uh, on Facebook in the Facebook group. The, if you want to have a look at the Facebook group, it's called So You Want to Be a Photographer Podcast Community and you can um, share your images there. Uh, but in the meantime, oh, actually, yes, so what's the hashtag, Gina? Uh, 
rules. Oh, rules. Goodness me. The thing, you, <laughs> the thing that you abhor. Rules. All right, that's a good one. Interpret that however you like. Hashtag Gina Challenge. Hashtag rules. Uh, and we'd love to see your shots. But in the meantime, we would absolutely love it, love it, love it if you could head on over and tell us what you think about Gina's new website, ginamilitia.com. Uh, click on Join the Community um, where you can just find out a little bit about what we've got in store for you and um, we'd love to hear what you think and just browse around the site and we'd just love to know um, you know what your thoughts are but so do let us know either on social media or Facebook or email us news at com. so until we talk again Gina what have you what are you going to be up to uh, in search of Leonardo's and uh, do you reckon there's any Leonardo's listening do you yes. are Please um, get in touch. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you know you're what would clearly... make my day? Yeah, if what? Leonardo left an iTunes review, I would Even be Leonardo left beside an myself. <laughs> I would be so happy. Even uh... if you change your name to Leonardo for the <laughs> iTunes and that becomes your iTunes, that would make my year, in fact. Oh, so my happy. God. Yeah, that would be great. Fibonacci or Fibonacci, whatever. Either is, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Wrapped, in fact. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much for your feedback and your shout-outs. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and we'll chat to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. <laughs>